Our reading this morning is from Romans chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. If our faith is strong, we should be patient with the Lord's followers whose faith is weak. We should try to please them instead of ourselves. We should think of their good and try to help them by doing what pleases them. Even Christ did not try to please himself. But as the scriptures say, the people who insulted you also insulted me. And the scriptures were written to teach and encourage us by giving us hope. God is the one who makes us patient and cheerful. I pray that he will help you live at peace with each other as you follow Christ. Then all of you together will praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Honour God by accepting each other as Christ has accepted you. Amen. I'm really grateful to Matt for giving me the opportunity to uh, speak with you this morning. Um, it's, yeah, it's an honour, so thank you. I wanted to um, talk to you about something which I've discovered about your church by stalking you online. <laughs> you know, if people come to Shirley Baptist, there's a good chance they've checked out your website first. That's how, what's, what happens today, isn't it? So I've checked out your website and I see that you're all on about passion for God and compassion for people. Does that, that line kind of, you know that line. That's great. Passion for God, compassion for people. And you say on your website that you work that out practically through four things. Do you know what they are? <laughs> Welcome, love, challenge, grow. I think it's really good. On the uh, About Us page um, of your website, it says, SBC is a thriving contemporary church that's full of people of all ages and backgrounds. We welcome everyone. Well, that's what I want to talk about this morning. Welcome. Welcome. It's a great foundation. If you're going to have a passion for God, you've got to have a compassion, a passion, passion for the things that he loves. You have to join with God in, in what he is focused upon. And God most certainly loves people that he has created. It's that um, piece of the puzzle, that welcome, love, challenge, growth. It's the welcome bit that I really want to talk about this morning. And Jesus paints a wonderful picture of what God is like in terms of his welcome in the parable uh, that we know as the parable of the prodigal son. It says um, towards the end of that, uh, that story, just for those of you who aren't all that familiar with it, uh, there's a, a man who has two sons and one of them is incredibly uh, disrespectful and rude and says, I just want all my inheritance now. I don't want to wait for you to be dead. Give me the money now. And the father gives him the inheritance now. The son goes off, completely wastes it, makes really bad decisions. And then when he's completely hit the skids, he decides, ah, oh, I'll go back to dad, you know, because, you know, dad will help me out. Uh, and as Jesus is telling the story, the, the people will be going, the cheek of this kid, no way. 
you know, he's going to go back to his father. Anyway, Jesus tells the story. And as the son is walking down the road, the father is at the gate looking, sees his son coming, runs towards him and throws his arm around him. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. That's the picture of God that Jesus gives us, the welcoming father. We should call that parable the welcoming father, not the prodigal son, because the point of the story is about what God's like. Jesus came to tell us that God is not mad at us. He's not on your back. He's on your side. He's a welcoming God. How wonderful to be welcomed by God. Before I go any further, can we just pray together about this thing? Father God, it would be wonderful enough if you were to welcome people who had good intentions and were well behaved, people who were kind and honest. But it's more wonderful than that. You welcome people like me. You welcome people like me who is not always well-intentioned. I'm not always well behaved. I'm not always honest. I'm not always kind. And yet, you welcome all of us. Lord, we celebrate and uh, rejoice in your welcome of us. Please help us as we consider this theme this morning to know how we can receive your spirit and be transformed by your spirit to be more like you. Amen. You know, it's our human tendency to love people and welcome people who are most like ourselves. The gospel calls us beyond that. It calls us to love and welcome people who are different. And so this church has a public statement about welcoming everyone who comes through our doors. That's what it says. On your website, you welcome everyone who comes through your doors. And that starts with our brothers and sisters in the church, people who uh, we have something very important in common with, uh, our love for Jesus. But even though our faith draws us together in unity, there's still a lot of difference between us. We might have in common that we, we love Jesus and we follow him, but there's a lot of things that bring diversity and, uh, and difference to this church. The love of God shapes the church to become a welcoming community gathered around the person of Jesus and living his way. We know that loving relationships between people is really important to God. Not only does he love us, but he wants us to love one another. He calls us into that kind of community. He wants all of us to participate in his kingdom. He's got a part for each of us to play. And the message of, the, of Jesus was that the kingdom of God is open to everyone. But even in that first generation uh, after Jesus, the church became quite challenged with this idea. Um, the gospel going to non-Jewish people, to Gentiles, was a really radical move. And a lot of people struggled with that, big time. Because as long as you know, Jesus was a Jew, who was, he was speaking to Jews, his immediate followers, the 12, were all Jews. That was fine. But once it went beyond the borders of that nation... 
A lot of people did struggle with that. And so Paul had to uh, write to the people in uh, Galatia and he said, look, there's neither Jew nor Greek. And even more than that, there's no slave nor free. So there's not ethnic divisions in, in God's idea. There's not, he's not going to uh, say, oh, well, you're Jewish and so I like you and you're not, so I don't like you. From God's perspective, it's not about ethnicity and culture. It's not even about socioeconomic difference, you know, the rich and the poor, the slave, the free. There's no male or female. God's not going to distinguish on the basis of gender. You're all one in Christ Jesus. And so that bit that we had read to us from Romans 15.7 says, Therefore, welcome one another. In some translations it had, accept one another. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Now, let's acknowledge that perhaps you don't always get welcome perfectly right in this church, but I reckon you probably get it right a fair bit of the time. Carol gave us, uh, sorry, um, it was Sarah who was up here, gave us a great illustration. Was it Carol who was sitting over here earlier on? She said when she first arrived, she felt welcome because Carol invited Sarah's daughter to her daughter's party. What a great thing to do. That's a very practical expression of welcome. I wonder um, if we could get one or two brave people to talk about when you've experienced being welcomed in this place. I want to know who welcomed you, what did they do to make you feel welcome, and how did you feel? I don't want this to go on for ages, but I would like to kind of ground this in reality uh, do we just talk about welcome or does this really happen here at SBC? Has anybody got an example? Who welcomed you? Yes? Go ahead. Just jump right up. Yes? Yep. Bill. Is Bill here? Okay. Good on you, Bill. You did it. <laughs> you you probably smiled. You took an interest. And how did you feel? Well, I'm still here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's wonderful. Thank you. Somebody else? Yeah. yeah uh, it's 43 years ago. 43 years, yeah, yes. We came here with uh, our two, well, with just about two-year-old twins. Yes. And Mrs. Hewlett is here now, but Mrs. Some people, yeah. This would be, make it easier, won't it? Yeah. Came, we came in 1980 yep. uh, with Ben and Rachel, our twins, born the same day as Matt, but five years earlier. And, um, and they, uh, Mrs. Kewin was leading the creche, not Sue Taylor, who's done it for decades. Uh, and Mrs. Kewin isn't with us, sadly, uh, but she gave us a great welcome. And then we went on a coach trip uh, with the Women's Fellowship where she gave the twins sugar mice. A little bit of hospitality on the coach. Isn't it funny? Just a little thing, but it, it was meaningful. And here you are all these years later and you remember that very practical little bit of welcome, which made you feel like, yeah, I belong here. Yeah. One, one more person. Yeah, I'm going to go over here. 
Thank you. Well, um, we were just barely new in United Kingdom, mm -hmm. myself and my family. And being Baptist worshiper from my country, we tried to search for a Baptist church. Unfortunately, the first church we went to, they worship only twice in a month. Uh -huh. The Sunday we went there, they were not worshiping. Okay. Then we googled another Baptist church closer. We discovered the Shirley Baptist Church. On arriving here, it was like home abroad. Um, the reception was so warm. Yeah. Who welcomed you? Very scary. We were almost homeless, my family, mm -hmm. because we, the immigration made a mistake on my status. Oh. No work. While I'm the only one that's supposed to work to cater for the family. Yes. So it was difficult to get accommodation. We lost the deposit for rent. Then the pastors told me, um, go to a place. I said, sir, I have been there. But at your word, like <laughs> Jesus told Peter, yes. cast your net yes. where you have labored before. I went back to the same place. It was like they didn't see me the first time I came. <laughs> and um, the, everything turned around. And that was how the Lord met our accommodation need. So that's and a very Since then, thing, it yeah. has been like a global family of God here in Shirley Baptist Church. That's wonderful. That's great. And when was that? Was that just in the last year? Yeah, that's great. Okay, so this church does do welcome. And uh, that's good. I want to talk to you about what else might be possible. What about if you could take what's a really good standard of welcome and lift it to gold medal standard? You know, like really be well beaters at this because you're already good at it. What if you were to be really great at it? And I, as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking, what stands in the way of welcome being taken to the best that it could possibly be? And there's three things that I think. Tiredness, discrimination, and fear. So I want to talk to you about three things that you'd be able to say if you had that gold medal standard welcome here. These three things being, no one is too much hard work. The second, everyone matters, especially the least. And the third thing, no one is seen as a threat. Let me unpack those things for you. First of all, no one is too much hard work. Because I know what it's like. I, I really am a pretty welcoming person. But I think about when I go to my church and I've had a really hard week and I'm tired and I'm just thinking, I just need to be in the presence of God. What I, what I need here is to realign myself with his word. I need to do some worship. That's, that's what I'm really needing. And I walk in and I see that fella walk towards me and I know what he wants. He's a very draining person. He always wants to complain about everything that's wrong in his life and he wants something from me to help him. I'm thinking, listen, mate, I've got nothing left. I've had a really hard week. I, I just don't think that I can help you right now. And my tiredness compromises my welcome. 
Do you ever feel, feel like that? There are some people, or you just get into a, a particular place and you think, I actually feel like I need to receive here. Uh, I'd, I'd like to give, but I, I'm actually at my limit right now. I want to take you to Galatians 4, where um, Paul is reflecting on when he first visited this church. And he says, uh, from starting from verse 12, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Jesus Christ himself. I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. There's a little reference here, the tearing out the eyes thing. Commentators think that maybe Paul had some kind of an eye condition. He makes a couple of references to this in different letters. Uh, but whatever it was, it was something which was a trial to them. He turned up and he was a draining person. He had a lot of needs. But his needs did not cause this church to say, you're too much hard work. In my small group, there's a, a young woman named Beck. Oh, I just think the world of Beck. She is profoundly deaf. She's got a cochlear implant, and that's helped a bit. She's a cracking lip reader. <laughs> she's, she's really good. But still, she gets in environments where her deafness is complicating. And she says it's, um, it's really hard to bear with situations where she will say, could you repeat that, please? And the person says, oh, never mind. Because it's like, you're just too much hard work. I've already re repeated this twice. Just forget it. You're deaf. Oh, I feel so cross when I hear that. But I get it, you know. But it's not just people who are deaf, is it? There's all kinds of disability. There's mental illness. I um, shared a bit of time with a lady this week. Uh, she's been married more than 50 years, probably more than 60 years. Um, she went to visit her husband, who's in care. Uh, it was Valentine's Day. She took him a card and a box of chocolates. He didn't recognise her. He yelled at her and told her to get out. She says, it's like that every time I visit him. He says such horrible, cruel words to me. And she knows in her head that it's the dementia. But it hurts. It really hurts. But she keeps on visiting him. She goes back and she goes back. I think that's amazing. That's like God. You know, when people have particular needs that just go on and on, and we're tired our welcome can get compromised. And I find I can uh, welcome people with compassion initially, but when it goes on and on, I start to run out. I get compassion fatigue. Do you know what that's like? 
compassion fatigue, when there are particular people that just, they wear you out. Well, if you have that gold medal standard welcome, you can say, no one is too much hard work. How do we do that? Because if we take this on individually, you'll crack. No, we all have our limits, right? You know, realistically, we can't just pretend that we will uh, have limitless welcome and grace for people because we do run out. And that's when we need to act like a church. So like when the mother who desperately does and genuinely does love her difficult baby just gets to the point where she can't cope anymore. She wants to welcome her baby into the family but she needs someone to just do a bit of babysitting. She just might need an hour to go shopping or to feel normal. You know, need to help each other out. Or that lady who's going to visit her husband of 60 years who's got dementia, maybe she needs someone to go with her, to pick her up after she leaves the room to take her out for coffee, put her back together again. Church, it's a team effort. If you're going to say no one is too much hard work, you've got to do this together. You've got to be looking out for one another. The second thing that we'd be able to say, if we've got a gold medal standard, is that everyone matters, especially the least. And that can only happen when we throw away the pecking order. In Luke chapter 9, um, from verse 46, it says, An argument started amongst the disciples as to which of them was the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. And he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. In James chapter 2, James is looking at this issue uh, and he says, my brothers and sisters, believers are now glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man wearing filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, oh, you stand there or sit at the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. It is, again, it's human nature to assess people as greater or lesser. We see that all the time, but it's not divine nature. And we are to participate in the divine nature and to put aside the fallenness of our human nature. So whether it's age or wealth or intelligence or attractiveness or social rank or achievements, in the church of Jesus Christ, we need to throw away the pecking order so that we don't rank people as to deserving of welcome and not deserving of welcome, or more so and less so. I say to my shame that I, in my early ministry years, I did not do this very well myself. 
than in that I did not respect children as I ought. I'm really sorry about that now. But little kids, I just thought, look, you're actually a bit of a pest. Uh, we're here for the adults. <laughs> uh, can, uh, maybe it's just as the decades go by and you see these kids grow up and then you think, oh, if I'd maybe paid a bit of attention when you were 10, <laughs> now you're 25, you might have a bit more um, engagement with the church. So I've learned. Respect children. The little ones were really important to Jesus. And it's not just for the pragmatic reason that if you don't engage with children early on, they will have this distance. It's because they really matter to God. He does not look at little people as being less than grown-ups. And it's the same at the other end of the age spectrum. I know in some churches, very old people are not given respect and honour. And that's not right either. We don't just do it with age. We can do it with wealth and people who have skills and certain roles. Jesus is calling us to welcome people without reference to rank at all. Third thing we'd be able to say, alongside no one is too much hard work and everyone matters, especially the least, is that no one is seen as a threat. And that happens when we can overcome fear. Going back to Galatians again, Paul um, talks to them about an incident that they will all remember quite well early on in his connection with the church. Uh, it's Galatians 2, starting from verse 11. It says, When Kephas, that is uh, Peter, when he came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. Now what's going on here is, again, this, this Jewish-Gentile um, division. And under Jewish law, Jews aren't supposed to eat with non-Jews. Now, that's, that's off-limits. But Peter had started to understand the gospel and he understood God's welcome of all people, regardless of whether they were Jews and Gentiles. So he started to eat with Gentiles in this city of Antioch, which is away from uh, the Jewish nation. But then some people came from Jerusalem who were pretty strict about these Jewish laws. And when they came on the scene and they saw what Peter was doing, here's what happened. When these people from Jerusalem arrived, Peter began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid. He was afraid of those who belonged to this circumcision group, you know, really tight, legalistic Jewish law group. The other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. Barnabas who's known in the New Testament as being a really encouraging positive guy who's just so welcoming. Even Barnabas felt like oh uh, if I associate with pe these people I'm going to cop a lot of criticism. So he started to draw back from his previous welcome of those who were non-Jews. So where do we today see fear compromising welcome? Well, one way is in this fear of criticism. If we hang out with those people, what will people say about us? If, if we welcome certain people into SBC 
and that gets around. People will think that, oh, that's, that's really wrong. We shouldn't be letting those people in here. That fear of criticism can make us draw back from people that God loves who might be on the wrong side of some line, but do we hold back on our welcome because we're afraid that we might be criticised for hanging out with those people? There's other kinds of fear that, um, that shut down that welcome. Fear of difference. Ethnicity can do that. Different cultures. You know, I can't understand the language or they've got strange customs. I'm really glad that your church here, like mine in Sydney, is becoming more and more multi-ethnic. That's brilliant. I think that's really pleasing to God. So much fear can be overcome just by spending time with people who are different, getting to know them, discovering what we have in common. And then a threatening difference can melt into a joyful diversity. And we're all enriched. But then there's also a different fear. This is the fear of damage. Fear of what a person might do or the impact that they might have either on us or those that we love or on the church that we're a part of. That fear of what certain people might do. Look, there's an obvious overlap here between the vital matter of welcome and a similarly vital matter of standing for the truth. It would be shallow of me not to address that tension uh, while I'm talking about the love and grace and the welcome of God because God is a loving, gracious, welcoming God. He's also a holy and righteous God. He is the God of truth and justice. So what about when there's a tension there? I'm thinking of that situation where you want to express welcome, but to do so feels like you have to compromise your convictions. Can you think of a situation like that? I want to say two things about that. First, I do not say that you should think differently about your theology. You might need to revise your theology at some point, but that's not where you start. I do urge you to think deeply about how you treat people. Lean into your empathy. Start there. Because Jesus did. Listen more. Could we move from fear to friendship by spending time with and coming to understand people who are different from us and make us nervous? Because there are people who make us nervous. People who move into our Christian space where we've got a general agreement about how we do life and what we think is right and wrong and those people move into that space and all of a sudden we get nervous, fear comes up, we get anxious and the welcome gets shut down. What do we do then? Lean into your empathy, listen, get to know these people who make you nervous. The second thing, distinguish clearly between acceptance and approval. Welcome necessarily involves acceptance, but it does not always mean approval. Some people want to conflate the two, but they are not the same thing. Acceptance is about my commitment to love, to love others as I have been loved by God. How can I not? 
when I'm aware of all that I've been forgiven and how gracious God has been with me, how can I, with any integrity, withhold that from others? I have been loved with such love that must be passed on. Acceptance is non-negotiable. But approval, that's about my commitment to the truth and that really matters. The truth as I understand God's word and his call to live right. So some people will say to me, if you're going to love me, and welcome me and accept me, then you must approve of my choices and my lifestyle. And if you don't approve, then you don't love me, you are rejecting me. To which I will say, as firmly and gently as I can, you don't get to tell me what's in my heart. Because I do accept you, and I do welcome relationship with you, even though we think differently about what is true and right, please, let's not rob each other of our convictions. Can we please stay connected and let's see where this relationship will lead us? God welcomes people. He accepts them without reservation. And you can too, by his grace. By his grace... The compassion of God can so rise up in you that it overcomes the tiredness. And when you're inclined to give someone the brush off, you'll hear the voice of Jesus whispering, what if that was me? And he'll help you. And he'll help you to let go of the pecking order and to understand that all are accepted. All are welcomed just as you have been. And by the grace of God, you can overcome the fear, the fear of criticism, the fear of difference, even the fear of damage. But I want to ask, do you know God's welcome of you? Do you know that he's included you in his family, even you? If you do, then pass on that welcome. Be welcoming of others in turn. But maybe God's welcome is something that you've heard of, but you've never actually experienced. You know, in that story of the prodigal son or the welcoming father, that welcome was in the heart of the father long before the son ever turned around and came home. The welcome was there, but he only experienced it when he went to his father. You know, the welcome of God is there for you, but if you've never actually turned around and come to him, then of course you've not experienced it. But it's there, it's real, it's, welcome, it's, it's open and ready. The door is open wide. The invitation is sincere and genuine. Come, let God embrace you. Because he certainly will. And this church, by their public affirmation has said they will do their best to welcome and include you too. We're going to, I'm going to hand back to Matt. <laughs> I think there might be a way for us to respond to this welcome of God, uh, a way that works within the culture of this church and Matt, you're the best person to do that. So 
I'm going to hand to you.